Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather. Political discussion from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam, and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk news and politics. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, got some good news today. My, yep. the money that I will be beautifully given from the generosity mm-hmm. of Rishi Sunak has gone up from 20% to 40%. <laughs> Fantastic. So you add that to your CIA money, and I mean, mm-hmm. you're safe. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. see, see, since the Spy Cops bill, they're mainly paying me in things that I can get away with now. <laughs> they're paying me with get-out-of-jail-free cards. Yeah, that's all they give me now. It's really <laughs> annoying. All I'm, I'm like turning up, turning up to McDonald's, see if I can buy a veg, veggie dippers, which is like, we call, I can, give, this I can new, give you free get-away-with-murder cards. This new currency we're calling the Schmidt. That's a little <laughs> political philosophy joke there for you. Mm-hmm. Mail in, call us if you get that joke. <laughs> five, five, five. <laughs> oh, I'd love to do a call in show. It's that thing of like, okay, so Twitch, there's quite a few people doing Twitch things. But the problem is, mm. I don't want people to see my face because my I'm like really quite Handsome. beautiful and yeah. it will distract it's you. It's, um, it's my hair mainly. It's the golden waterfall yeah. uh, is my hair. You know that? That square-jawed Persian dude, like that, with a blonde waterfall. <laughs> Actually, no, it's more like a ruddy-faced Henry VIII, but with a long, blonde waterfall haircut. <laughs> it is fucking ridiculously long at the moment. but um, yeah. And it would be too distracting for people. There'd be, you know, I don't want to start doing the thing like, um, like LB, like all of the radio shows are all doing, like, they're all video like as well. Like live casts, yeah. Yeah, I hate them. It's like, because I really like talk radio. It's a problem that talk radio is literally, is like the domain of Nazis um, yeah. in this country, yeah. and I think most countries. But it is, I, oh, it would be my dream to have like a three hour talk show. It's like from 11 until two in the morning. And all I, to- all, all it is, is like just paranormal shit. Just the, like phone night. in with Norfolk, Norfolk Knights. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Phone in. Tell me about seeing Black Shark. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about the Titty Man. <laughs> I've told you about the Titty Man. He's a, yeah, you have. He's a he's a Fenland bog troll that you have to appease because he's angry about the Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what the Titty Man is. Yeah, but um, yeah. So what? Oh shit, what were we talking about? Uh, what's happened this week? We were talking about. Twitch. Oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah, so, so um, yeah, so I've been given a bit more money by the lovely government, um, mm-hmm. which is not enough. You're fully supportive of them now. That's, uh, <clears> oh yeah, you've fully joined supportive. the Conservative Party. Well, no, I'm you know I'm like I'm like Kirsten. I'm, I'm like, like <laughs> you joined the Conservative Party and brought their average age down by twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, just on your own. I've been given a vague sniff of a living, and so I've. Complete decided to completely support the government, much in the same way that Paul Mason has decided to support Keir Starmer. <laughs> it's true what they say about uh, the left to right trajectory, isn't it? Well, that soon you just give me money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as soon as you've earned your your money and you get into middle age. <laughs> <laughs> When's middle age? Don't don't Are we start there? that. All right, we're just old enough to have really kicked ourselves about the fact that we didn't get into Twitch. When we should have people who constantly play games and could have earned money off it. But I never, no. <laughs> never, I so never let's could have, not start about middle age. I never could have made money off playing games. No one would have ever wanted to watch me play the games that I play, the horrid <laughs> games I play. <laughs> As I just sit there in my pants playing a roguelike solidly for twelve hours. 
<laughs> Actually, there probably is people who do that. But um, yeah, yeah, sickos. Yeah, this um, so was yeah, so they're giving more money out to people, but not enough because it's not enough. Yeah, and they're doing what's the thing? They're doing the more tears because that's fun. That's because it's because of the tear system. They're not really going to get to see my kid over a birthday, so yeah, that's fun. It does seem like there's again this new thing. There's a new system been layered over the top of mm-hmm. bubbles and rule of six yeah. and things closed and whatever and it's the tier system and to me it seems like it's basically an excuse not to give municipalities Mm -hmm. the kind of support that they need like that's that's basically the 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 reason they've done it it's because you can keep people in tier two yeah you've still got something of a lockdown but you don't get any financial help until tier three yeah luckily i think there has been some kickback from some uh localities like uh, Greater Manchester, like Andy yeah. Burnham, saying that he wanted a you know a full proper grant for his area, which is in Tier Three in Greater Manchester. But there's so many areas like yeah, you're in uh, you're in Tier Two, your, your infection rates are up. Yeah. Not Tier Three though. Yeah. There's um even the, when they were announced, like the money for businesses, and this is like such a British way of doing things. They're probably like same every country is saying it's a British thing, but um. So the money for businesses will go to the local authority that then you have to apply to the local the local authority you then decide how much they'll how much they'll give to different businesses. So then you are, so if you're a business that needs help you've got to go then to the lo- the local authority rather than it be you get a set amount. Do you know what ah, I mean? Like so so who makes so it cuz it's not about I mean it is about how much money you get but even more uh pertinently it's who makes the choice. Mm-hmm. And yet again it's Go, uh, central government have worked out that it's a lot easier to give it to local government mm-hmm. and have them shoulder the blame yep. than for them to, because they've already, I mean, they gave out a load of money to various arts groups, including like Secret Cinema and yeah. Boris Johnson's, <laughs> Boris Johnson's uh, friend who holds an opera on his grounds. <laughs> got like 43,000 pounds. That's been hit real hard. Um, but Secret <laughs> Cinema is like, oh, fuck off. But um, yeah, it's just it's. I'm looking forward to a local, a load of local authorities giving a load of their money to property developers who've been harmed during the Corona crisis. Well, I mean, coronavirus. We need to prioritize <clears throat> property developers. No mm-hmm. coronavirus. We need to prioritize property developers. Some coronavirus. <clears throat> we need to prioritize property developers. I mm-hmm. mean. I don't know how much straining you have to do to suggest that there's maybe a problem with property developers. Yeah, and then the um, other thing was the announcement for new chain what the things that the government want to do to london in a desk in what i can only assume is a desperate attempt of the tories to make sure sean bailey doesn't get elected <laughs> nah it, it it strikes me that obviously a number of a number of people on the hard right have uh, a real hard-on for sadiq khan and obviously with the drop-off in numbers for using tubes and buses and stuff transport for london has something of a, a, a has had something of a black hole in its finances and they're using it because they don't like the fact that TfL, like London is pro- like mostly elect, like so far, mostly elects London mayors. Yeah. Um, and it's a way of undermining him because we, I think we've mentioned before, TfL is basically a personal fiefdom of the, of the TfL board and the mayor for London office. 
it, they don't like it. It's another area that can be opened up to privatization. Remember all the fights that Ken Livingston had yeah. about uh, automated trains and pri- uh, public uh, semi-privatization of the of the tube network. And again, we'll have the same round of, well, privatization is efficient. Privatization Mm. is privatization efficient. It's like, I don't need, how do I need to explain to you how this hasn't worked so far? Mm. Wales has renationalized its trains. The government, the like British government has renationalized a bunch of lines, including the East Coast line. Like, how many times does this have to happen? Yeah. Because, of course, it's not uh, an on-running theme with this podcast is it's not about good arguments it's about power yeah like this is a this is a way of um either bankrupting tfl or um and making it seem like Sadiq khan's fault or getting a whole load of very very lucrative transport things and giving them to their private sector mates yeah i like the um, and it's it the idea of extending the congestion charge all the way to the north circular is one of the most one well, it's not a weird. Well, actually, it's kind of a weird one because Tories used to rail against it, but then mm. they do like taking money. They just don't like being the ones that first institute the thing. Um, it's again, it's it's they've given it to the local authority to actually do. So it, the idea is that Sadiq Khan will be the one who has to put this yeah. in place and has to announce it. And you can say as many times as you want that he was and you can, to. The worst thing is you can report on it as many times as you want that the accurate thing of this was literally a deal he had to sign or say yeah. TFL would have gone bankrupt. Yeah. And it will still be Sadiq Khan's decision yeah. because of the way that this information is relayed out. And it's, it's an impossible situation to try and, to try and actually get round because how do you, how do you subvert the fucking media in this country? <laughs> yeah. I was looking at it. It's worked it out that it, for traveling um, just over about a mile and a half, to mm. to pass the North Circular to drive to say drop off my kid at uni or pick her up, that's fifteen quid then just straight away, just for that little bit yeah. between here and there. It's just like <laughs> And there's not no it's uh, uh. it's time to get an electric car, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Um and where will I plug it in? Yeah. There is a plug. Um it's I've not seen my a, problem. I've seen a plug in Wolfhamstow. There's a plug in the village and it's underneath it's covered in bird shit because it's just underneath this tree where all the birds like to sit i don't know if if maybe (laughs) the birds are attracted to the to the electric cable or something um it's the death drive yeah but um yeah i'll never go if if it if they do it it means i will never go to the the big supermarket ever again Mm. because that's like 15 quid on top of my shop thank you fuck it i'll just you know order online but you see how that is the way that it gets into you because mm-hmm. of course like like i always had that kind of problem with like um people saying that they're okay paying more tax yeah like i i, I get it it is like a good altruistic uh thing yeah philanthropic whatever you want to call it but like at the same time no one likes paying that you do mm-hmm. realize it's a it's a fundamental rule and the right realized this a lot longer before the le- like lot, lot, a lot longer before the left yeah that yeah no, tax is fucking terrible. Like it's good that it pays for things, but mm. no one likes it. No, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there has been some good news though. Um, in the mm-hmm. last week, so there was no CIA fascist coup in Bolivia after all, and free and oh, fair elections God. were held entirely as predicted. 
Congratulations to the people of Bolivia for exercising their democratic rights. Hopefully the new administration won't cuddle up to as many tyrants as the last one did. Remember, kids, vote. That is political luminary and, I'd say, outsider artist, um, Oz Katagy. <laughs> Talking about memory, yeah. Talking about the Bolivian elections. Um, I'm so glad no coup happened. That is good news. That is actually really good. It is. It's it's really good. It's really good. Um, There's been um, that's been like the main line I've seen. Have you noticed that the main line from journalists has been that you know that obviously it wasn't a coup. Then I say from Mm. journalists, from a couple of weird weirdo journalists, and a couple of like the weird. Maybe they say they're soft left types, but you know the kind of people online. Um, there's a, I mean, there's a certain type of pro-war agrocentrist who's yeah. made uh, opposition to anti-imperial talking points their their main thing. Mm. Um, opposition to like a certain kind of left-wing voice, to be honest, like mm-hmm. a, an anti-imperialist left voice. Mm-hmm. So you know, your James Bloodworths, yeah. your um, your Oz Katagis, your yeah, various others, yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously it goes wider than that because it doesn't help. It doesn't help to just say that they all supported a fascist a, a coup by the Christian right because it's so not on their. It's so not their thing because like that that kind of um, like imperialist that that particularly like. Inter, let's say interventionist thing of the virtues of the West intervening because you can't get away from it because that's what it is. It's the West intervening. It's never, mm-hmm. you know, um, Sudan intervening in the US elections. It's mm-hmm. the US and European countries intervening in, in like global South countries. And they have that particular thing of like, I always have that feeling like it stemmed from a certain kind of like hard atheism. Hmm. like the Dawkins kind of wing there's a there's some kind of crossover there intellectually Hmm. and so obviously now if you're saying I want to get rid of the tyrant Morales by putting in this actual Christian fascist Mm -hmm. um, also at the same time railing against Trump not quite as hard as you rail against uh, other (laughs) similar kind of like hard right leaders in the global south but yeah there we go yeah Um, so what so in the last year um, because it happened, the coup happened in well, the not coup happened in October last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the military traced Morales out of the country. They and yep. one of the main things that I remember seeing online was they kidnapped Patricia Arce. Um, she was the mayor of Vinto. They tried to rip her clothes off. And when she fought back, they beat her with sticks until she passed out. Then when she woke, came to, they took her shoes and dragged, made her walk down a long street covered in broken glass and debris. Um, they doused her with paint and gasoline, and apparently, like there were people throwing bottles of piss at her. Um, someone else cut off chunks of her hair. She was told she would be walked to her death. Um, this is all being filmed. Reporters got up to her and tried to like talk to her, and the crowd were all chanting like "Resign, resign." She said she wasn't afraid, and that if anything happened to her or her children, the country's emboldened right-wing opposition should be held responsible. Um, she escaped. Um, like a month later, like looking still worse for wear, talked to BuzzFeed and um, said to them that, that this was a message for all women here, that we still cannot occupy public spaces. Um, mm. And the people who did this to her and to loads of other people in, in, um, in Bolivia, um, they were all emboldened by the accusations of ballot stuffing that came from 
the Organization for American Studies, who were observing the elections. Oh, uh, Organization for American States. Was that it? Okay. Yes. Um, and then they were supported heavily. They were then supported by like British MPs, MEPs in the EU Parliament, the US government, and pretty much our entire media. Um, like the Guardian was particularly. I remember being particularly into it. Um, after several resignations um, of Mass, that's the Movement al Socialismo, I think. Mm-hmm. That was um, Morales's party, yeah. yeah. Um, then Janine Anes, right wing Christian fascist that we talked about earlier, she proclaimed herself interim president, um, immediately removed the Whippola, which is the symbol of the Andean people, from all their military uniforms. Aymara cultural and religious practices were declared satanic and she was sworn yeah, in with the largest Bible I have ever seen outside of Warhammer 40k. <laughs> um, this coup was supposed to last for... This was supposed to be very short, this this um, this interim president thing, was just to restore order and to hold new elections. Um, one of the first things she did was grant immunity to... Um, immunity from criminal prosecution to the security forces participating in operations to re-establish public order, which was encouraged by the UN. Um, the new election was postponed first to May, and then to September, and then to October. Um, the delays led to lots of protests. Um, Andean passes were dynamited, motorways strewn with boulders, rural roads torn up, um, roadblocks and marches by the main workers' union and campesino movements brought the country to a standstill for nearly a week. I can't find the I couldn't find the numbers on exactly how many people were killed and injured. Um but the injuries were into the hundreds at least. Mm. And um whilst establishing this order, um she spoke with Venezuelan failure Juan Guaido, saying that they had the same objectives and that she looked forward to working together. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so after fighting for an election that no that they didn't that nobody wanted, um, Mass won. Um, mm. Evo Morales wasn't allowed to run, so he said fine. Um, yeah, because, he's still in Argentina, I believe, isn't he? Yeah, he ran away to Mexico and then to Argentina. Um, mm. Louis Arce um, is he won. Um, Patricia Arce is now senator. After what happened to her, um, what happened is what happened in Bolivia is proof that Bolivian democracy is alive and well. Not as some would have you believe, a far-right, lithium-based CIA Elon Musk joint venture, the free and fair election <laughs> people agreed wouldn't happen actually happened. That's simply a fact. That's us catchy again. Hold on, hold on. <clears throat> You're saying there was a police operation on behalf of a uh, very authoritarian government to re-establish control after protests, and Oz didn't immediately make friends with jihadists. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't sound right to doesn't me. Doesn't sound right at all. Um... Yeah, but it's it's good news because it was um, they don't consider it a coup. I gen- they won't ever consider it a coup. Now they'll say it's a political struggle. There was a political upheaval, strife, because it wasn't a coup over lithium or ownership of other resources. Because they lost this time, yeah. working classes won, which is rare, and they won not just indigenous in- people won as well. Yeah, the indigenous people who are the most heavily targeted when when the far right took power again. Um, and it's important to remember they didn't just win like against a dictator who was being horrible to them. They won against the world's media siding with Janine Anes. I mean, and presumably whatever help 
she I've no I haven't read anything about it, but whatever help she was lent by US Imperial like Imperium. Well yeah, you can only, you know, you not can only just... imagine the kind of shit that they were doing to, to help because like what happened with Juan Guido where it's like Juan Guido wants to take over Venezuela and the first thing the British do is steal all of Venezuela's gold. I mean you were you've actively had this year the um group of I think it was thirteen US soldiers. Mm-hmm. US Special Forces soldiers arrested in Venezuela. I think they've been um, tried now. Yeah. That actually happened. And no, no, there's no such thing as US intervention. No, and it's never. Like, it's here. Um, this is the conspiracy theory. They're there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's the good news this week. And it is good news because it's, it's, we don't it's, always get good news. And it's better news than, you know, like, um, oh, shit, I forgot her name. Um, New Zealand. Um, Jacinda Ardern. Jacinda Ardern. Yeah, so like, mm. it's good. It's good that New Zealand isn't run by horrible crazies like Australia, um, but it. You know, they've got a very different media landscape. It's not. It's not as mean to the left, um, and it's good that they've got a, that a social democrat won. But in Bolivia, we see a, a working together of all the working classes to get rid of a horrible. American-sponsored right-wing coup, supported yeah. by it's, all of the world's media. It's one of those things of whenever you profess like a uh, any kind of like solidarity with a, a, a government like Bolivia's or mm-hmm. Venezuela's or something like that, you will be picked at. You will be. It's like, well, what do you think of this? Mm. What do you think of this? And all of the old kind of Cold War anti-socialist uh, talking points. Yeah. It, the point is that you don't have to support absolutely everything a country does, but you can support a lot of the measures that, say, like uh, Morales went for. Um, you can you don't have to support every geostrategic positioning he went for, mm-hmm. but you can support the fact that he there were concrete steps towards actually empowering uh, a really like brutally poor uh, working class and proletariat yeah. in Bolivia that the U.S. Opposed specifically because of their their primary their primary resources that mm. they openly openly said mm. the first one of the first things the interim um, coup government did was to um, start privatizing lithium yeah um, and, and I, that was the that was one of the other things I saw actually um, a load of kind of soft soft left or liberal voices going or oh, lithium mining it's very unenvironmental isn't it oh for fuck off. Yep, one hundred percent. It's like, oh, hmm, and it's like, yeah, I would not. It's of course that's the thing that you focus on, and it's it's yeah, yeah the pressure of this, and like the good thing about it for like left wing and socialist movements around the world is that you need that. You need something to see something succeed. You need to see something ultimately like gain state power. Yeah, you need to see something an idea that the tide can be pushed back. All you see is all of these, like um, you see, you see the immensity of corporate power constantly. You're surrounded Mm. by it. Every building, every new housing project, every, you see astonishing sums of money that you could never even imagine traded, bandied about by government and by corporations. You see all of this money, you see all of this, this military power all arrayed against it. And then just for one moment, you can see someone say no to that. It's necessary. It's necessary to see that in action. Yeah. So 
for the main topic this week, I wanted to come back to me. I actually wasn't sure whether we were ever going to come back to this um, because we, we, we covered it in a previous episode quite, quite well. Yeah. Um, uh, the story of how a Trotskyist group mostly notable for its support of the IRA uh, <laughs> and indulged in genocide denial uh, came to the top table in British academia and kind of social, like social society, mm-hmm. social society. Yeah. Civil society. Um, yeah. So living Marxism and spiked. Yeah. We previously covered its history in episode 65. Um, and, you know, I said ago. back, that's a long, long time ago. I mean, that's a good ten and a half years and sixty episodes <laughs> for us. So well, you know, this episode, <laughs> the by February, I think around February we've been doing this for about four years. <laughs> good lord, I know. <laughs> um, but I said in episode sixty-five, I've, I've been fascinated by Spikes Online for years, and the, the the Living Marxism Network, as some people would call it. Yeah, because um, you wanted a way it, to take your um, your pseudo left credentials and turn it into cold hard cold Luca. hard cash, yeah. <laughs> and then the experts um, say it. To recap, they were a group of ex Trotskyists um, known for their contrarianism, clustered around jackets. what was and cool leather jackets and hair gel. Um, they were clustered around the Revolutionary Communist Party. Then that turned into a magazine called Living Marxism, which folded after being sued for genocide denial <laughs> and became Spiked Online, the constant hot take machine we all know and love. Yep. Um, it was notable for a very, very similar lines of kind of an individualistic anti-environmental libertarianism that suited certain corporate donors. Uh, not that you'd ever find where their money comes from, apart from the uh, Koch brothers funding. Um, they were against victim culture and anything that slowed the progress of science or technology. Um, and they were also notable for setting up multiple front organizations uh, that always proclaimed their interests in freedom and open rational debate um, that would then only load it, load those organizations with sympathetic members or, or colleagues of the original RCP or living Marxism writers. Yeah. Um, they don't didn't really appear to have much of a centre to their politics. Like you could pin them down to one or two things, like enlightenment values or victim culture, but they would basically pivot off of whatever was happening so quickly that they never really had a had a core to to what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's probably more accurate to say that rather than some kind of conspiracy, um, rather than indoctrination, the spiked brand has become kind of a franchise. So it attracts a certain kind of commentator keen to kind of set themselves up as kind of against the chattering liberal classes. Yeah. Um, committed to boiling their piss, but not necessarily ever actually coming to a fucking point. Mm-hmm. Um, and just uh, like I say, earning cold, hard cash in the process. Yep. So then in July 2019 came the news that Munira Mirza, a spiked associate from the Revolutionary Communist Party days, was announced that uh, she would be joining Number 10's policy unit as its head. Yeah, that was really um, tiring because, like, James O'Brien and like a lot of these people kept on referring to her as a communist in the same way that mm-hmm. um, what's her name, Claire Fox. Um, yes, they kept on referring to her as a communist. Who well, the weird thing was that they never they never formally gave up as such their communist stuff. They just started taking loads of money from the right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was very much like yeah, they used to be a communist, and then all the liberal talking heads would go, but they used to be a communist. Yeah. Um, so Munira Mirza apparently took a, a leading role on drafting the 2019 election manifesto. Um, and then in June of this year, Boris Johnson announced he'd be setting up a new commission on racial inequality prompted by the Black Lives Matter protests and Mirza would be chairing it. 
Mm -hmm. um, she had previously aired views that denounced institution institutional racism as a myth and claimed that it weaponized victimhood anti-racist protested. Mm -hmm. In 2010, she said, the more we seek to measure racism, the more it seems to grow. Um, after this, there came out stories that she was looking to recruit Trevor Phillips for the commission. Trevor Phillips, who was previously the head of the uh, Racial Equality Commission, yep. and had just been suspended from the Labour Party for calling UK Muslims a nation within a nation. Again, another person who made actually quite a nice living decrying multiculturalism. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition, this summer came news that after standing down as Brexit Party MEP, uh, living Marxism OG Claire Fox would be also be appointed to the House of Lords. Um, <laughs> she was defended at the time by her totally not at all colleague Brendan O'Neill in his column "Abolish the House of Lords." <laughs> um, in fairness, it's rare, but he did describe her as a friend of Spiked. Now, huh. that was a kind of characteristic that they don't usually announce their kind of previous relations or, in fact, that they were members of this group at all or, or groups that they had been in. Um, but, yeah, it basically, Brendan O'Neill was very much abolished the House of Lords. It shouldn't happen. Um, but also kind of half said, you know, oh, it's Remainers getting worked up over a Brexit or going to the Lords. If there's one good thing out of this, it means that we can have a war. Brexit, Lords. Um <laughs> Fox seemed to defend her own appointment by saying that she would be pleased to be given a new platform to express her views, but called the Lords an affront to democracy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> just what chance does, the, just what chance does that give anyone? What chance does that give anyone? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, what's always been unique about the writers and, and thinkers associated with the, with the spiked brand is their absolute adherence to this particular kind of message one that they've never deviated from. It's almost unheard of in Trotskyism and leftism generally. Mm. It's not one particular line, but it's this commitment to an approach. So essentially back in, back in up until probably about 2016, let's say, yeah. um, the spiked kind of worldview was that there are individuals, they have natural rights bestowed on them by provenance or whatever. These individuals are just trying to get by but they're also capable of unfurling this brilliant, like it's static brilliance. Individuals create science, art. <laughs> if they're just left alone and all their bar all the barriers are removed, then they're just they will bring about this new golden age of whatever. Um, and the thing that was always preventing this natural brilliance from being kind of unveiled was the blockages, moral police, witch hunts. Uh, feeling like a victim. Mm -hmm. uh, these were intended to scare this kind of natural natural effervescence back into its shell. Yeah. So um, it stops all our artists making beautiful murder tableaus like in Hannibal. Yeah. Essentially I mean, yeah, kind of. They were very much that school. They were they were the <laughs> the they were the 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 Bioshock school of <laughs> <laughs> politics. Um, and even now, when kind of the first generation of former RCP living Marxism people, um, I'm thinking particularly of the names I immediately think of are Frank Ferretti, yep. who is the kind of godfather of that that movement. Yep. Um, James Hartfield, Mick Hume, Claire Fox. They don't really publish in Spiked as often as they used to. They still no. do, but they used to be the only, the main ones. There's still something about Spiked language that my ears prick up yeah. when... Usually it's something like when an academic tries to do heresy. 
Yeah. When they are saying, oh, I'm breaking paths with like establishment logic, with establishment like rules. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to be undercut by this woke ideology anymore. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I hate the way that people are always playing victims in this group I'm designated as my particular field. Yeah. I don't like the idea of groupthink. I just want an open and rational debate. When they do that, there is something in their language that makes my ears prick up. I can't define it, <laughs> but I am right way more often than I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, the, the standard spike line has actually started to morph in the last few years. Um, here's the spiked mission on their website, in their own words. Mm-hmm. They say, it's the publication that puts the case for human endeavor, intellectual risk-taking, exploration, excellence in learning and art, and freedom of speech with no ifs and buts against the myriad miserableists who would seek to wrap humans in red tape, dampen down our daring, restrain our thoughts, and police our speech. Spike to echo echo Saint-Simon, who said, the golden age, which a blind tradition has always placed in the past, is really in front of us. Spiked is all about laying the ground for and having a pop at the enemies of that still-to-come golden age for mankind. So you see that... I dare to dream, I dreamt of rapture. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um... So is that yeah, my you see that kind of. the University of Kent is he building Raptor off the co- like in the River Medway? <laughs> He's building it off Whitstable, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you take this kind of this excerpt I've got from an article uh, in 2019 called "The Narcissism of the Trans Movement." <sighs> A veneration of individualism, which in recent years has degenerated into a culture of narcissism and self-obsession. Perhaps the most perfect embodiment of the culture of narcissism and attention-seeking is the trans movement, in which all the world collapses upon me. Everything becomes about celebrating me and my brilliant, audacious, quote, bravery. So now, apparently, according to Spike, there are the ushers of the golden age, brave and free to spout off and revel in their own liberty. And there's the narcissists who centre everything around themselves and their own self-conception. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not very. It's not very individualist. It's not no. very libertarian, is it? It's not very, you know, discovering and expressing what's hidden inside you. Your 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 individual individuality, also fully protected by a legal and political culture that actually fosters that individualism. <laughs> it seems more like a rebuttal of all that stuff that they talked about before. Um. And Spike, that's basically in a nutshell what Spike's changed from. They've changed from the ability to express yourself, which is a political question with a certain legalistic and yeah, liberal tone, you know, yeah. um, freedom freedom to and all that, um, to one of almost taste and decorum, hmm. which kind of, that's a firmly conservative tone. That's the aesthetics of what you look so bad right now. That's a that's a conservative thing. It's not based. It's based on not based on the the kind of the substance of what you're doing. It's like how you look while you're doing it. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, they've changed their rhetorical focus as well. Where the old spiked would have talked of individuals, they've very subtly shifted from individuals to citizens. Mm. You know, sovereign citizens. Because mm-hmm. um, it would be quite difficult to square a pure libertarian stance with the state and social action that they would need to do under brexit to protect the brexit voter that's their new focus by the way the brexit voter the white working class all of those things that's their thing now collective well, when not I, um, individuals when i was um 
reading up on um, Bolivia stuff, I I checked in to see if Spiked had anything to say about it, and of course they did. Um, but he was make the writer was making out that it was kind of like the like the trying to stamp down on democracy with Bolivia's election last year is very similar to what has been what Remainers have been trying with Brexit. Yeah. So the usual thing, the weird thing is they retain an element of the their anti-imperialist past you know mm. us out of everywhere that kind of thing yeah um they're very they're very keen to prevent the us from interfering with china or to um have any criticism of china mm-hmm. the fact that you know there's a load of chinese uh, universities that spiked uh spiked people are associated with is absolutely nothing to do with it <laughs> um i imagine with something like bolivia the spike line would go something like this fine there shouldn't be a coup, but the protesters are as bad as the fascists. Um, like, that would be it. No, it was more lauding the notion of democracy mm. and complaining about the EU. <laughs> I mean, elsewhere in Spiked, suddenly restrictions in the form of borders are good. Yeah. And flagrant displays of personal morality, such as, for instance, Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. are bad. Now, okay. the BBC is not just a... Um, a individuality repressing grey sludge. Mm-hmm. It's dominated by quote individualists. There's a quote from an article here: a divide between the individualism that dominates institutions such as the BBC and the patriotic communitarianism that runs deep in the Brexit voting provinces. Hello. Our national public broadcaster is packed to the rafters with self-absorbed individualists. Again. What? Yeah. <laughs> that was your whole thing. If it that's what you wanted, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, modern protest movements tend to come in for the most stick, um, notably except the uh uh Gilets Jaunes, which Brendan O'Neill suggested should riot if Brexit was not <laughs> delivered. Um but yeah, ultimately they're still pivoting, they're firmly eager to wade into any culture war anytime, and Spike, rea- they reacted to the toppling of statues during Black Lives Matter protests with um, Brendan O'Neill writing, why roads must stay. Quote, the roads, the roads must fall movement is underpinned by a supine culture of victimhood that depicts people, and especially black people, as weak, fragile, and in need of constant validation from the powers that be. Standard spike line. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also it's wrong, isn't it? Like, Black yeah. Lives Matter is is precisely what the powers that be don't want. And also, yeah. it's black people and other people standing up against a thing. It's, by definition, not weak and fragile. It's actually incredibly hardening yeah. because you have to do more than just nothing. Like, yeah. yeah. They're dragging down public statues. It's like, yeah, anyway. Um, but this line of argument does start to fit in and start to show the the kind of modern spike line on things. Because even if people have been individually and collectively oppressed, they're supposed to not act like they've been oppressed. Mm-hmm. There's no complaining, no protests, and no political remedies. If black people have been the subject of ongoing and systematic persecution and exclusion, for the greater good, they must show themselves to be capable of enduring it as an an exemplar of moral fortitude. Their feelings of oppression and exclusion are nothing compared to the greater social values of progress that this system and only this system can produce if only it were calibrated by the correct emotions and attitudes. That's essentially what what kind of of the, the spike line is there. But then, of course, with Brexit came an even greater concern. 
the masses of white working class people had been oppressed by the EU superstate, by the concept of cosmopolitanism itself, and they should complain, protest and uphold their political remedies when the white working class people had been the subject of ongoing and systematic persecution and exclusion, <laughs> that they were sick of trying to outlast it, of living with it, of being patronised as exemplars of moral fortitude, their feelings were paramount and society would not progress unless the system listened and took on board their emotions and attitudes. Look, the white people of Britain have been oppressed by the EU for much longer than black people have ever been oppressed. The <laughs> EU has been telling us what to do for hundreds and hundreds of years. <laughs> I'm I'm giving them way more credit than they deserve, really. Like, yeah. but this it was it was kind of disappointing because this was always what distinguished Spike from like defense of Western civilization bores. Yeah, you know that they had this madcap individualism, like smoking everywhere, blowing smoke in people's faces, should be protected <laughs> by by law, yeah. and by guns, and you know that kind of thing. Even the uh, even the Spike's godfather, Frank Freddy, he's fully shifted into a defense of Western civilization guy. Huh. Um, uh, he quoted recently he said it has uh, conservative and classical liberal ideas be they tolerance and democracy have been successfully marginalised um, within institutions of socialisation such as schools and universities and it has turned many cultural institutions from the arts to the media against humanist sentiments and ideals associated with the western western <laughs> tradition that runs from classical Greek philosophy through the renaissance to the enlightenment even classical socialist ideals of solidarity and internationalism have been torn. Don't get what the fuck is going on about. These developments take the form of a one-sided war against the past in general and the legacy of the West in particular. Mm. The West. Those upholding the importance of tradition and historical continu- continuity now appear to be always on the defensive. This is this was the risk taker. This was the it's- one who said, don't keep your children away from disease yeah. don't keep your children away from See, like sand pits full of piss because they'll grow up to be moral weaklings i was hoping he'd what be happened? more like yeah he was supposed to Frank? be like um figgy um shit i forgot his name he um demolition man the comedian who spent most of his most of his career ripping off of um oh no dennis ones. leary yeah he's supposed to be dennis leary in demolition man you know chain smoking hmm. eating his burgers Peeling out on it, uh, a, like, his smoking, car. smoking cigar, smoking cigars in the non-smoking section, yeah. covering yourself in pink jello and running around naked. Yeah, that's Frank Freddy. Yeah, yeah. God damn it! He's even brought out a book, "Why Borders Matter." Oh. <laughs> Boring. Yeah. Uh, three three points on why borders matter. Human beings need limits in order to grow. <laughs> Um, the national sovereignty and border security it establishes help one of these needs: a sense of belonging. Attempts to deterritorialize sovereignty and citizenship rights reduces people to their most abstract individual qualities, depriving them of the cultural qualities which give their lives meaning. See, abstracted. Carry, carry on. See, he's just become obsessed with borders now because while trying to build his underwater city off the coast of Sheppey, he realized that you do actually need to put glass in, but otherwise the water will get in. And so he's just taken <laughs> that to the logical conclusion that he, obviously borders are very important. <laughs> otherwise you'll drown. I'm- and I'm then they looked at him last... like he was insane, and so like he wrote a book about. Actually, I didn't mean that. Those um those last two two bits, by the yeah. way, uh, saying reducing people to their most abstract individual mm. qualities, like yeah. they don't matter, can be used to pr- deny pr- anyone anyone human rights. Yeah, like if if your abstract individual qualities are not worth protecting legally, mm. and sim- similarly, if the cultural qualities that give your lives meaning are given like this equal 
billing, yeah, then that's fash. Mm-hmm. That's fascist, isn't it? So like, as dully predictable as this right turn has been, it's not even the hard right turn or even particularly spiked that has me thinking about this spiked mindset or at least yeah. thinking this much about it. Yeah. Um, there's like it is amazing when you go onto Twitter and you like try and research spiked and living Marxism. There's like probably a group of about ten people who mm-hmm. just look into it and are yeah. fascinated by it. Well, <laughs> I'd like to count myself among those people. <laughs> um, I think you are. You do tend to disappear occasionally. <laughs> to start is like, hey Adam, what, so what do you want to do a pod on? It's like, well, I I haven't slept for three days. <laughs> I've just been looking at um, think tank websites. Yeah. Um, ultimately, yeah, their their kind of funding model would always lead to kind of these reactionary causes because they're the ones with the money, the yeah. easiest route to the money. What's startling is how much this kind of thinking, this contrarian thinking has multiplied. I mean, you've been on Twitter over the past four years. You've seen the mad takes mm-hmm. that um, have, have uh, come across every day now, every single day, by yeah. everybody, not even people associated with this network, not even always right-wingers either, just mm-hmm. just everything always. Um, but what's startling about how, how common it is is that increasingly, because everybody's kind of competing with each other, each other to have these really contrarian takes, those kind of people are increasingly taking their place as the opposition or the counter, not in any kind of like political party way, but this this kind of emergent trend on having every media issue portrayed as a standoff between the establishment and some kind of boring iconoclast. Yeah, it's leading to this very like managed system of politics. It's not managed democracy like as in a, like a large conspiracy with specific groups in long term planning, waiting for the right moment to collaborate and screw everyone over. That's happening anyway, but I don't think this is part of it. This is a very English, English managed system. Yeah. Nitpicking, stymieing, just on the edge of catastrophizing while holding some of the absolute smuggest, comfortable positions you could ever hold. Um, I think I started thinking about this when I, do you remember that episode of uh, Radio 4's Moral Maze on the British Empire? Yeah, Moral I Maze, by the way. Um, I, I think we talked about it. It was back in July, I think. Okay. Um, Moral Maze itself is a living Marxism mainstay. I mean, Claire Fox was on that for years. She recently gave way to kind of Andrew Doyle and Ella Whelan, who's the kind of obligatory spiked representative on that show. But this was a a moral maze on the British Empire and it had um, Andrew Doyle on it um, of Titania McGrath and Comedy Unleashed fame. I say Mm -hmm. fame. (laughs) It has to be popular to be famous. Um, And I listened to this... I listened to Andrew Doyle like face speaker after speaker with this needling, blocking chat. At one point saying that, why can't we just accept that nothing is good and nothing is evil as a way of not having to talk about the topic he was invited onto the program to talk about? Um, and just it was just like, why was he there? Mm. He's not... He's not really associated with the empire other than the like social position of being a conservative defending it. Yeah. Being like a social conservative. Yeah. Hearing that whole panel discussed that the empire like basically the stymieing led to this kind of like um weird I mean moral base is not a good program anyway generally. It's mm-hmm. it's shit. But hearing this kind of blocking and stymieing ultimately result in a conclusion that the empire had to be taught 
but the simultaneously the empire was too complex to ever be perceived, that the left didn't want to teach people about the empire, but alternately wouldn't stop going on about it. Every objection was raised, every point talked over, every good statement blocked <laughs> by this fucking blockhead. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I know we like like broadcasters like to get on controversialists because it raises the, the viewer numbers, but this wasn't even controversial. It was just shit. Yeah. It was just terrible. And it, it, it just occurred to me that this kind of thing, it has to be deliberate. I mean, it's been a longstanding tactic of Spike to kind of shoehorn themselves in as the radical outsider in media appearances. Uh, to this end, there was always a load of front organizations for people clustered around the network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the typical ones were the uh, Academy of Ideas, the Battle of Ideas, the Institute of Ideas, um, World Right, the Manifesto Club, uh, Academics for Academic Freedom. But with online, of course, you can set up these kind of organizations very, very quickly. Um, and so it's proved. And after kind of all the Black Lives Matter protests and Brexit, the kind of response to all those things was this constant like stream of organizations. Like you had a load of groups. Like, I mean, after the Colston statue, you had Save Our Statues. Not, as far as I can tell, particularly associated with Spiked or, or their compatriots, but that was set up basically overnight. And I think it's raised like £3,000. For not really having a point, yeah, <laughs> because it's illegal to topple the statues anyway. I think it's good, but like you've already got all the police on it, so like what else? What more are you going to do? Yeah, there's nothing there to do. There's no, there's no outlet. But I thought I'd look up some of the uh, the recent kind of organisations that made my ears prick up, or that have been researched by other other good uh, living Marxism obsessives. Yeah. Um, some recent ones. Uh, there was Invoke Democracy Now, um, which is a probably now defunct group trying to start a debate about a post-Brexit future. Um, its launch video featured Claire Fox, Brendan O'Neill, and Luke Gittos, the legal editor of Spiked. <laughs> it was very similar to Invoke Article 15 Now, <laughs> which was an overt Spiked campaign, but Invoke Democracy Now, for some reason, wasn't too keen about talking about who was backing it. So. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, continuing on Brexit, you had Artists for Brexit and Brexit Creatives, uh, both co-founded by Manik Govinda, spiked writer, and he ran art campaigns for the Manifesto Club. There was Change Politics for Good, also a defunct, uh, has a defunct website and a Twitter account hasn't tweeted since I think April. Um, that was organised by Claire Fox uh, to come together and sign the pro-Brexit Stockport Declaration. It was... Um, this big like certificate that said we the people but it was all written in like it was all written in 17th century language trying for that kind of like char- chartist or level leveler vibe it was very funny yeah. um uh, i believe actually if i remember correctly claire fox still has it as her twitter header i'll check nice. that out later but yeah um another weird kind of thing that's happened the modern version of the sdp Hmm. so uh, I think the only original person from the Gang of Four that left the Labour Party to found the SDP in the 80s is David Owen, mm-hmm. um, who both supported Jeremy Corbyn and became kind of a pro-Brexit sovereigntist. Okay. Like maniac. Okay. Um, so the SDP have hosted both Claire Fox and Frank Ferretti. Um, both of their Twitter accounts have constant retweets from the leader of the SDP, William Clouston, and the SDP account itself. They are constantly signing each other's declarations. 
William Clouston, the leader of the Social Democratic Party, had a column in Spiked recently saying Britain is turning into the Eastern Bloc on TV, on social media and in the workplace. Britons feel they cannot openly speak the truth. Um, William Clouston's Twitter in June the 29th, 2020, he said, we're invited to step over people begging in the street while passively inhaling wafts of skunk in our town centres without noticing something important that it didn't used to be like this. Oh, Must we be indifferent to this? As you can see, the STP has uh, has changed a little bit since it thought <laughs> Labour were too authoritarian. Yeah. Um, uh, the STP official Twitter account on June 30th of this year tweeted, citizens holding a traditional patriotic or religious outlook are often bullied and marginalised, stifling the open debate on which a free and democratic society depends. Sounds very spiked mm. to me. Mm-hmm. That said, it shouldn't be too surprising, seeing as current members of the SDP include Rod Little and Giles Frazier. Oh, oh, oh my God. I think we mentioned Rod Little before, but yeah, yes, he's in, was, his party is the SDP. Yeah, was, I can't remember why we were talking about um, massive piece of shit Rod Little, but I remember like looking at his Wikipedia and just going, what? The SDP's still going? And he's in it. Yeah. I think they're, the they're what's left, ago. certainly. He left yeah. the Labour not long ago to join them. <laughs> Um, so another group uh, that I'm quite interested in is the, it's called the Full Brexit. Okay. This was founded in 2018 with an emphasis on the kind of democratic and socialist potentials of Brexit. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a load of left wingers. Quote, for this revolt, leave voters have been slandered as dupes and racists. The Full Brexit stands up for and with the majority of British people. Not just leavers, but also remain voters who believe the decision must be respected and for everyone hungry for meaningful political and economic change. So this uh, group was founded, co-founded by former RCP and living Marxism mainstay James Hartfield. Mm -hmm. Bruno Waterfield, who is the Times Brussels correspondent and used to be in the Revolutionary Communist Party. Okay. Um, Philip Cunliffe, uh, you may know him from the Alpha Bunga Bunga podcast. Okay. Yeah, he's a uh, he's very much a anti-ID poll uh, socialist. <clears throat> uh, also included anti-rootless cosmopolitan Paul Embury and Blue Labour's Maurice Glassman, uh, Matthew Goodwin. Hmm. Yeah. The the book. Oh yeah, he's a socialist. Didn't you know? The one who ate didn't the book. Didn't you know he's a socialist? Yes, the one who ate the book. He's not a socialist. And the one who said we have to. Uh, yeah. Well, apparently so. He signed this. He must be left wing. (laughs) It also included people who I can't imagine particularly realised the the kind of network that they were in with, but like Costas Labovitsas signed it. Yeah, you can't expect expect people who don't... You can't expect everyone... Like, you can't expect people who don't, like, live here and spend all their time losing their minds on the internet to be fully mm. aware of all the stuff that Spike do. But surely, if you're signing a thing that's got some of those names on, surely you should go... <laughs> well, it's the fact that it's also, it's also included, like, the kind of red-brown tendency. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it Thomas, Thomas Farsi, who was associated with the Five Star Movement. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Wolfgang Streak, who's uh, another one of those guys mm. who's, like, proper pucker socialist, but kind of turned very nationalist yeah. in the last few years. Right. But it's it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there was another, there was a, there's another group, a think tank that was set up fairly recently, I think it was set up in 2019, called CIEO. Kyo? Okay. Kyo? Kyo Ken, whatever. Okay. Yes. Um, 
It's a think tank run by uh, the former Living Marxism and Spiked Associate Editor Joanna Williams. Uh, it also features on its board uh, Jim Butcher, spiked writer since 2001, mm-hmm. Daniel Ben-Emi, um, RCP member and author of Ferraris for All, if you remember we discussed that in episode 65, Philip Cunliffe again, uh, Catherine Eccleston, spiked writer, published with, alongside Frank Ferretti, um, Eric Kaufman, who's a spiked writer, and also wrote a book called Whitecraft, in which he said politicians must accept and even accommodate white grievances and must be open to the possibility of long-term refugee camps and a border wall to placate native majorities. Hmm. Um, also, Alka Segal Cuthbert, who's another ex, long-time ex-RCP um, member, a Brexit Party candidate, spiked columnist, uh, her interests anti anti she's anti decolonizing education she's pro defending David Starkey yada 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 uh, oh and Toby Young as well is <laughs> on this think tank so he's getting an income at least you remember when he was tweeting about you know not he was worried that he wouldn't be able to afford his mortgage well I don't think he has those problems anymore <laughs> um, yeah this 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 was a think tank but it only published think pieces articles like the West's Maoist moment. Yeah. And empires of progress, quote, far from wanting an end to empire, today's de- elite decolonizers actually want to recolonize society according to their own values and assumptions. Hmm. Hmm. Um, another one. This is actually, I think, the most recent one that I've found. Uh, it's, it's called Don't Divide Us Now. So it came in response to the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, Don't Divide Us Now, uh, copyright, Fourth World Group Limited, a.k.a. Andrew Doyle. Hmm. Um, Started. There's an article in The Spectator on the 30th of June uh, by Claire Fox, Andrew Doyle, and Inaya Fularin Iman called Racial Division is Being Sown in the Name of Anti-Racism. A couple of quotes from that. By splitting society into black lives or white lives, racial identity is being used to define who we all are and how we should fight injustice, as opposed to building a united movement to improve life for everyone. Those who favor the identity-based politics of grievance and academic critical race theory are redefining racism. The achievements of civil rights movements in the past that affected positive material impacts on the lives of ethnic minorities are now being denied and undermined by those who claim racism is on the rise. Demands that millions of people accept uncritically a prospective white privilege agenda or be dubbed ignorant, racist, or in denial is creating new tensions. <laughs> Free speech is being eroded by a McCarthyite uh, culture of conformity. Soulless acronyms such as BAME and POC, robbed of individual agency, reject the proposition that the UK is inherently racist. Uh... <sighs> Figured, so yeah, they launched. Yeah, carry on. I was just thinking that um, one of the names, Jim Butcher, wasn't he the one who rolled into our mentions on your last last time we did about spiked? I don't remember. That's an interesting thing. It was a. I remember it was a geographer at the University of Kent yeah. who wrote for Spikes Online. Who, so maybe. Yeah. Maybe, because I swear to God, no one ever tweets like no one we discuss or cuss out ever responds to us because why would no. you they're not listening it's not no. realistic that they're going to listen to it. i don't think we have that much reach but like the one time it happens it's it was like... a fucking spiked and we talked about how the spiked people were all cult-like yeah and they turned, that guy turned up to listened say that to was it a smear job. and turned up yeah <laughs> i think the only other time it happened was when um when i assumed she listened because then stella creasy blocked us didn't block the pod account 
That's weird, though. It's still weird. Blocked our personal accounts, but didn't block the pod accounts. So I have no idea what's going on with that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, this is a don't divide us now. Um, this was an open letter uh, yeah. that they got a bunch of people to sign. And uh, basically, I'm going to read out it here because it's going to help with a couple of the other organizations that I'm going to talk about. Cool. Um, so uh, the signatories were Andrew Doyle, Claire Fox, and Inaya Fularin Iman. First two need no introduction, long-time spiked mainstays. Mm-hmm. Um, Inaya Fularin Iman, uh, she's on the board of Toby Young's Free Speech Union. She's a spiked columnist and a founder of the Equiano Project, which we'll come to later. Okay. Uh, other signatories included William Clouston, leader of the SDP, um, Ben Cobley, another member of the SDP, uh, Simon Evans, uh, one of those comedians who tried that oh, shit, he's UK's, the UK's only right-wing comedian thing yeah. a little while ago. Tried another one of those. Uh, Ashley Frawley. Um, do you remember that YouTube oh, Marxist who does Canadian, all the... Canadian yeah. who teaches sociology at Swansea and doesn't know what... Yeah. Doesn't know anything... Doesn't seem to understand Marx. Well, she does all those videos talking about one specific bit of Marx where yeah. he kind of backhandedly praises the bourgeoisie mm-hmm. and treats the Communist Manifesto, therefore, like it's an ode to capitalism. Yeah. Um, she is a spiked author um, mm-hmm. and she supported a pro smacking group in Scotland. Nice. Um, called Be Reasonable Scotland. <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> She was the most recent one that I listened to that YouTube thing and it's like, this is a spiked person. Yeah. There's no way path breaking, supposedly committing heresy, even though right wing people have been talking about that bit in Capital for fucking ages. Yeah. You know, the one about building monuments greater than could ever have been imagined. Yeah. Like that. They've been talking about that for years, but she's treating it like it's an absolute new thing. She's yeah. kind of slightly lecturing to the left, yeah. but pretending she's part of it. Yeah. yeah, no, this is spiked. And it turns out her PhD supervisor was Frank Ferretti. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Other people on this signed this. Uh, Francis Foster, uh, who was compare of Doyle's Comedy Unleashed and is the co-host of Trigonometry, that podcast that oh. rails against colonial studies and woke thought generally. Oh. Uh, there's... Tarjinda Gill, who's a teacher, a traditional teaching advocate, does things like schools are just another front for social justice. Yeah. Uh, Manik Govinda, who we mentioned before, spike columnist and founder of Artists for Brexit. Ben Habib, a businessman, a co-founder of Unlocked, uh, which is a YouTube channel, which is a new common sense media channel for those abandoned by the mainstream media. <laughs> Uh, also a former MEP for the Brexit Party, unmentioned in this Spectator article, I'd like to point out. Um, Christina Jordan, former MEP for Southwest of England for the Brexit Party, again unmentioned. Uh, Colvinder Singh Manik, um, yeah, a GP and Brexit Party candidate. Helen Pluckrose, um, if you remember her, she was the woman who put out the Academic Grievance Studies um, and Corruption of Scholarship, the SoCal Squared thing. Yeah. You know where they submitted the absurd papers to humanities journals? Yeah. Um, and mo- even though, you know, seem to willfully misunderstand how peer review works in as most of their papers were actually rejected. Yeah. Um, there's Calvin Robinson, a former teacher, spiked author, defund the BBC, campaigner for Don't Divide Us and senior consultant at the Policy Exchange. Uh, Alka Sergal Cuthbert, again, ex-RCP, Brexit Party candidate, spike columnist. Sarah Peace, uh, artist, has appeared on panels uh, defending Brexit, like kind of a liberal voice for Brexit or a you know POC voice for Brexit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leslie Caton, interestingly, 
So she is, she lists her as a creative and communications director. What it doesn't notice is that she basically selected the Brexit Party MPs. She's oh. a longtime friend of Claire Fox and was in the, uh, was associated with Living Marxism. And she was the election agent. She selected all of their, all of their lists. Huh. Hmm. Um, Catherine Birbel Singh, uh, head teacher. If you remember her, she was Cameron's free school pioneer. Yep. Another advocate of traditional teaching methods, teaching about Britishness, singing patriotic songs in class, etc., etc. Constantin Kaisin, another comedian who does that kind of "I'm not going to uh, do safe spaces." Yeah, I think and at one point, one joke. Yeah, I think at one point he was someone who was asked to sign a pledge not to do Islamophobia or homophobia or, or transphobia or anything like that, and he refused. It became a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Esther Krakoe. Uh, Apologise for not pronouncing that correctly of turning point uk oh uh-huh. um the final one there's rakib Hassan. now he's quite an interesting one research fellow at the center for radicalization and, henry, and terrorism at the henry jackson society uh-huh. uh, sp- uh spiked columnist of course um most of these people have had got co- <clears throat> most of these people's ha- have had columns in spiked by the yeah. way, it's almost not necessary to yeah. say that. Um, so Rakiba Sun is interesting. I was doing some digging just before this episode, and he actually uh, edited a Henry Jackson Society report on Black Lives Matter recently huh. with contributions from Reddy Adekoya, Catherine Birbel Singh, Inaya Fularin Iman, Constantine Kisin. Wait a minute. Esther Krakoe, <laughs> Calvin Robinson. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I am recognising some of these names. Um, I only got t- I had time to go through the contents, but uh, some of the chapter heads, Imposing Ideological Conformity Through Abuse by Inaya Falarin Iman, The Dark Underbelly of the Black Lives Matter UK Movement by Esther Krakui, uh, Identarian Leftist Misguidance on Education, Catherine Birbel Singh, uh, Anti-Semitism, The Inevitable Consequence of Anti-Racism? Question <laughs> mark. By Constantin Kaisin. Uh, on race, Britain's young minorities signal radical but think pragmatic. And is Britain racist by Dr. Rakib Hassan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went on the Don't Divide Us Now website. They have a list of teaching resources to counter the woke menace. Uh, Calvin Robinson contributes um, stuff on the Commonwealth in World War II. Alka Sigal Cuthbert contributes Key Stage 3 resources and considers Britain's empire in India as the product of multiple factors mm-hmm. <laughs> and Tajinda Gill has uh, compiled the list of resources for primary level to indo- like prevent woke indoctrination that's the most recent uh, group that I could find what's weird is that there have been a number of other uh, organisations that have almost exactly the same kind of aim or the, the same mission statement mm-hmm. There was a, a, an organization of website, basically, called All in Britain, co-founded by Munira Mirza, if okay. you remember. She of the number 10, like probably like the third or fourth most powerful person in the country. Yeah, Boris um, said that she was one of the most, the, one of the most um, powerful women in his life or one of the most influential women in his hmm. life. Um, basically, it's a website for articles published by uh, the same authors, Rakib Hassan. <laughs> Remy Adekoya, Manik Govinda, Tajinda Gill, Dolan Cummings, who is former editorial director and current associate fellow of the Academy of Ideas. 
Quote, we have come together because we believe there needs to be fresh thinking about the issues of race, identity and culture and politics in Britain today. We aim to create a forum where we can discuss new ideas openly and consider the way forward. Whilst we may share similar opinion, opinions, we don't always agree. Spoiler, they do. <laughs> this blog is a space where we can test ideas and opinions without fear of the usual censor. Censure, sorry. Um, there's another group uh, that I spun off from uh, watching this uh, from reading about the Don't Divide Us Now. Um, the Equiano Project, if you remember, I yeah. mentioned that with Inaya Falarin Iman. Um, she's on the board of Toby Young's Free Speech Union. She is a spiked columnist. And she's founder of this, the Equiano Project, an organization that seems to do exactly the same thing as All in Britain and Don't Divide Us Now. From their website, quote, we believe that societal progress can only happen when freedom of speech, open discussion, and the pursuit of the truth are at its heart. We reject the conflict-driven approach of addressing race relations, and we challenge the notion that racism alone is the cause of all racial disparities. We oppose racism, reject racial essentialism, challenge identity politics, and critique the notion of race itself. We argue that people must take responsibility for their lives, families, and communities. We accept that there are no easy answers, and we seek to delve deep into the issues to find nuanced and meaningful solutions to complex social ills. They have a number of videos up on their website. One video on multiculturalism with Rakib Hassan. <laughs> Brendan, secure my baseball cap before the live stream, O'Neill. Don't think I didn't notice, Brendan. <laughs> um, and David Goodhart. There are no easy answers. I mean, but according to this, I guess there are easy answers when you have absolutely no opposing voices. Yeah. Where's the Where's the debate on multiculturalism with <laughs> Rakiba Sun, Brendan O'Neill, and David Goodhart? I didn't watch it because was the outcome woke scolds are destroying liberalism and open debate? Was it? Was that it? <laughs> Knowing the output of two of these people very, very well, and Rakiba Sun increasingly well, what possible disagreement <laughs> could they have had? Um, there was another all POC video uh, that had uh, Trevor Phillips, Catherine Bebel Singh, Helen Pluckrose, Remy Adekoya, uh, uh, Aisha Ankanbi, who in The Guardian said the problem with wokeness is that social justice awareness turns into oppression Olympics. Just use endless YouTube's video with the same people, yeah. Catherine Birbel Singh, Helen Pluckrose, Calvin Robinson, Alka segal Kulfer, Trevor Phillips, Dejinda Gill, Brendan O'Neill, Rakiba Sun, all of them over and over and over and over again. I guess Don't Divide Us Now will kind of peter out as soon as, you know, Black, Li Black Lives Matter isn't on the front pages anymore. But mm -hmm. what's interesting, what came up in the last couple of weeks was uh, very interestingly, uh, thanks to Politic, at Politic Worm on Twitter for pointing this out, Lawrence Fox's Reclaim Party. Yeah. Um, the first few follows were um, of his Reclaim Party, which from the sound of it sounds very similar to a lot of these kind of organizations of defending heritage of yeah. destroying woke ideology of all of that kind of stuff. The first few follows for his um, reclaim party, Twitter, Darren Grimes, Titania McGrath, Claire Fox, Calvin Robinson, uh, spiked <laughs> the, cr the critic, which is um, Ella Whelan, who is the spikes kind of like regular anti-feminism, Mm -hmm. correspondent um and interestingly peter whittle uh peter whittle if you don't know was the former ukip deputy leader founded the new culture forum which i believe claire fox has written for um and holds as as, as its address 55 tufton street 
which you may know is the home of the Taxpayers Alliance, Migration Watch, the Institute of Economic Affairs, the Adam Smith Institute, Civitas, Leave Means Leave, Brexit Central, and a number of other monetarist, Thatcherite, and Brexit-supporting organisations. Um, so yeah, you may have noticed in that blizzard of names, there's quite a few similar ones. Um, James Hartfield, who was the spiked OG, mm. uh, summed it up like this on Twitter. Perhaps the secret of spiked online success is not a conspiracy, but because it says things that many agree with, but policy wonks and academics don't, like Brexit or believing in equal rights and not special privileges, or that people can make up their own minds without censors. I would almost agree with him, except for the fact that there's no ordinary people on this list. Nobody who I have mentioned here <laughs> is in any way what you would call an average working person. Yeah. Every single one is an academic, a policy wonk, or an artist with political leanings. Yeah. There's nobody, nobody else. And obviously, like, you can see the kind of purpose in setting up all of these organizations is this, there's this attempt to move the Overton window to the right, you know, accepting substitute words like grievance culture, wokeness, woke ideology, woke Taliban, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. For all the talk about debate, what really makes people from the outside call it a cult is the uniformity of these views, yeah. the hollowness of what they discuss. It's never anything material. It's always people who fucking agree with each other exactly, despite the fact that I wouldn't mind it so much because left-wing, I mean, we agree quite a lot. Quite yeah. a lot of like left-wing episodes will have people with different things to say, but it's not a debate. It's like an interview or like a, yeah. a, a, a thing to expose someone's views. And it's done with a view of getting more people interested in left-wing stuff. That's not the problem. The problem is they constantly go on about debate despite i've never ever seen a spiked person actually debate <laughs> maybe brendan o'neill when he's on the news yeah and all he does is throw out a slur or one of his particular overton window shifting words and then doesn't do anything else no none of these places ever ever publishes a person or has a person proposing the opposite view not once the full Brexit, the Equiano Project, all in Britain, don't divide us now. You will never, ever find anybody defending wokeness or suggesting that anything other than the hardest of hard Brexits is appropriate. Yeah. There's this like surety of purpose in all these projects that actually it's like someone might admire as a kind of strength, but it's just <laughs> baffling. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah, you could say that, oh, they're all like-minded people coming together for shared goals. Um, then not in any way because if you notice none of these things actually has a, a explicit political outcome they all talk about debate in order to avoid ever having an actual outcome um there's no there's no uh, they're not popular movements there's no detectable effort to magnify what they're doing other than getting themselves on the news yeah getting themselves getting their words out there's no there's no attempt to rally any kind of popular organization the closest they got with was the brexit party and like with the greatest will in the world and not even to sound like a conspiracy theorist that was designed by farage in order to get the tory party not to cave yeah to keep them pinning to the right like if you really were against woke ideology and you believe that it was like dangerous to the soul of britain or whatever wouldn't yeah. you combine these efforts into one like why are all these these people kind of doing all of these different projects at the same time if the equiano project and don't divide us now share the same people the same basic ethos if they wanted to affect change why did they multiply where's the where's the grassroots mm. where's the combining of money where's the combining of effort mm. you know there's there's no 
aims that every single mission statement says something like, oh, we're opening up conversation, removing limits to free speech, having a debate. There's no debate and there's no political program. Hmm. There's nothing. I do have another theory about why there's all this multiplicity of movements. Yeah. What we see here, what do we actually see? We see multiple outlets not acknowledging their... Um, uh, their kind of complicity with each other. Yeah. Which presumably at some point, if you're Rakim Hassan and say Tajinda Gill, wouldn't you say it's interesting that we seem to belong all belong to the same three or four <laughs> groups yeah. with varying amounts of input? One might be a blog, but there's plenty here that are like fundraising and campaigning, supposedly, organizations. Yeah. They never acknowledge that, which is what make, makes people suspicious. So you've got these multiple outlets with strong against-the-grain opinions, but only opinions, Mm -hmm. it gives you a perfect environment to, yeah, get on the telly all the time. An issue comes up, and here we have the junior minister for culture, a Tory, and the director of a new organisation who uh, thinks that woke ideology has gone too far. Mm -hmm. Instead, their role seems to be to occupy, occupy all the ideological space all the time, all at the same time. So if you think about it, you've got the the kind of the, the Brexit positions. You had the Brexit position covered from the right by the kind of Brexit party and um, the kind of libertarian wing. You've got the, an attempt to kind of control the uh, pro-Brexit left wing mm-hmm. with the full Brexit. What space do you have? Like, what, like there's all these profoundly regressive reactionary opinions. Because, by the way, uh, most of the people on that full Brexit list are proper anti-IPOL verging on red brown people they are you know transphobes or uh, anti-woke ideology or they they share that with with some of the right-wing pro-brexit forces they can all of these multiple organizations allow them to adopt like i say all this space all the time and they can adopt these background regressive reactionary positions but then say we're the real left we just want a debate. Yeah. We represent the actual silent majority of moderate people of colour who don't like Black Lives Matter. Yeah. As long as they get that voice there, they can say anything they want and it will be there. It might not be true, but it will be there. Mm-hmm. And given their emphasis on the need for debate and debating with themselves, what room remains for anyone else? They're simultaneously patriotic. The patriotic ones were also the liberal ones. We're the technocratic, we're the true internationalists, we know the true heart of Brexit Britain and the Red Wall and all that. We're libertarian, we're leftists, we're collectivists, we're socialists, we're capitalists. They're everything. Mm. They're everything at once. And you can see this in their choice of enemies. Anyone to this group is an enemy at any time. The young are at threat from the cautious hidebound old. The old are endlessly harangued by the woke young. The right to protest should be protected, but never used to address actual inequalities. Liberalism, the highest achievement of political philosophies that must be protected at all costs, but also it's dooming us all and needs to be abandoned. (laughs) This constant parade of figures concerned with ideas and papers and online campaigns, constantly moving, constantly bouncing off whatever they see in front of them with no regard to any work through logic or ideology or politics at all urinating into the public space like this mechanically nozzled cattle which i don't know could prove useful to a government system that simulates free enterprise while straining for the absolute worst excesses of corporate government (laughs) a system that floats every approach once just to get everybody's opposition out in the open so they can see what to row back from these organizations and it's not just spiked anymore because 
their compatriots are virtually indistinguishable in their contrarianness, in their willingness to be heretics and be individual, despite everybody in the fucking media agreeing with them. <laughs> um, these organizations are trying to form a new chattering class, ironically. Mm. I do think that they're mirroring the social structure of the ruling class. Put something out there, see how far you can go and row back on it, depending on not the reception, but seeing on how much anger it generates, seeing on how much pushback you get, seeing what you can use with it. They're just instruments to plow further and further into a position where you are the only one people are talking to. No one person could hold all of the panoply of these, the spectrum of these opinions that all seem to point, all seem to be completely different, but all point the same way. It's managed. It has to be. It's a managed attempt to rearrange politics in the way that these people would like, that they're in, that the route is different, but the destination's all the same. Yeah. Every single one of these, from socialist to capitalist, pure iconoclastic social conservatism that everyone agrees with, but shows up to debate about anyway holding politics but never acting on them this performative sphere of ideas where the actual ideas don't matter only the process by which you came about them and the simulated debate that you show to everybody a fully performative life for the sake of upholding these abstract enlightenment values that you abandon in a second it's put simply it's not politics it's just an endless blizzard of opinions <laughs> that's it <laughs> angry it it's sickening it is sickening because look you might get sick of the discourse but you will you will be proper fucked when you are truly locked out of it and anyone who you could possibly protect if you're like vulnerable in any way mm. that these people are the ones who are in control of the words and the laws and the things that get used on you yeah that's us for this week. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. Follow me at BM Bergamo. Follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Fighting am the least about the fighting game.